Coucou tout le monde, you're listening to Le Bookworms Pod. I'm Helen. And I'm Miranda. This is the podcast that explores the diversity of the francophonie. One book at a time. Ma mère, quand il fut question d'avoir pour la première fois Monsieur de Norpois à dîner, ayant exprimé le regret que le professeur Cotard fût en voyage et qu'elle même eût entièrement cessé de fréquenter Swan, car l'un à l'autre eut sans doute intéressé l'ancien ambassadeur. Mon père répondit qu'une convive amène un savant illustre comme Cotard. Hey, Miranda, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's cold. It is like officially cold weather in France now, which should not be a surprise. It is November. (laughs) (laughs) We're having a weird sort of global warming thing where it's not cold right now, but it will be cold very soon because it was previously cold and then all of a sudden we got a little last bit of warmth. Ah. But yes winter approaches well there you go well what are you drinking on this weirdly warm day i'm having a beautiful merlot it's very smoky and uh lots of oak which i'm a big fan of right now (laughs) nice nice what about you i'm having a red wine as well from the long dock region and it's like a very good Generic table wine. No complaints, but nothing fancy. Couldn't tell you the notes. But I am getting better. (laughs) I'm getting better since our bone excursion of of tasting things. I find it easier in white wines. I can taste them much better in white than red. I don't know why. Yeah, I I actually agree with that. I find red really overpowers your palate sometimes and you can't really get anything. Perfect. Not just me. (laughs) No. Well, Santé and... uh, Santé. Let's get into Proust again. This is our second Proust check-in to see how how it's going. Yeah. I'll be be honest, I haven't fully gotten to sort of a a stopping point. So after we finished the first, like, volume, we've moved on to the second, and it's been a very busy time, and I could give you lots of excuses, but the reality is I just haven't read more than about 60 pages. Maybe more like 70. All right. So wait, what's what's your number check? Give us the page number because that's what we did last time. So I am on page 395. Okay. I'm on page 523. Very well done. To be fair, I did think you were really far ahead of me. So I binge read to get up to speed because <laughs> I too yeah. have been so, so busy. I had family come to visit in France, which was lovely. But basically mm. stalled my reading for a whole entire month. So here we are yeah. doing our second priest check-in. <laughs> you know what? And like we, t- we talked about this. It's it's a marathon, not a sprint. We're going to be enjoying this. The point is the discussion will reinvigorate our desire for more Proust. I think that's what happened last time. I was pretty done with it when I started talking to yeah. you. And then I was like, I feel so much better. I agree. And I've also had some conversations with other people about our Proust journey who have actually provided motivation. Oh, love it. Yes. Okay. Someone told me that they became a photographer because 
of this book in Proust. And I thought that was very impressive and made me really want to understand what is it that he saw in this book? Because I'm still struggling. I'm on the struggle bus still, not going to (laughs) lie. Okay, yeah. I, I, I am seeing how this one is a bit more like stream of consciousness. Maybe let's just first give a recap because I think you're done the first part of the second volume. This is correct. So yeah. why don't you give a 30 second recap and I will like help if there's anything that you miss, but I doubt there is anything because again, I'm okay. I'm, I'm there with you basically. All right. Well, here I go. 30 seconds. So basically in this volume, we meet the narrator who is now in his early 20s but seems much younger. And he's kind of like having a teen romance with Gilbert, which is the daughter of Swan. And it seems like they have this budding relationship, but maybe it's like more unrequited love. Like he's way more into her than she's into him. You know, just like your normal turmoil of a teen relationship. He spends a lot of time with his Mrs. Swan, though, and like gets the ins and outs Mm -hmm. of the society of the time, which was interesting. Also, he discovers sex and likes to have sex with sex workers. So there you go. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, I think the only thing I would add is just that, like, we also see some of the characters that were in the first volume, not just Swan, but also Albertine. And, like, um, some of the people come back in, which is kind of cool. But also with, like, no information. Yes, no, there's no update. (laughs) There's no... (laughs) There's no update. And he also has some new friends who are like kind of interesting characters. It's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's very 20s for sure. Like, what did you think about that, though? Because where we left off last time was that Swan was done with Odette and was moving on. And all of a sudden it's like volume two, they're married and have a child. Like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, yeah, I, I wasn't incredibly, it was, it was odd, but I think it's trying to, I think it's also something that it's just refocusing it on Marcel because the book is actually like, he is the narrator yeah. of the book, but the first book was so much about Swan and Odette, even though it was like still Marcel, the narrator. So I think it's just a function of it being a different type of like, I don't know, voice for the book. Yeah, I guess. Well, before we get too far, I did want to make a point so that people are aware. So we're talking about volume two, which is À l'ombre des jeunes filles en fleurs, which translates to In the Shadows of Young Girls in Flower, or it's often been published as Within a Budding Grove. And this volume was published in 1919. So Proust was still alive when this volume was published for information. Yeah, I find the title weird. And I think we talked about this last time about like, oh, what's that going to be like? But I find the title very odd. It fits though. I think perhaps it does. It's like it is a time in your life where you're becoming an adult. And that's definitely what this feels like. He's definitely like learning about himself and what it is to be an adult and to be like a sexual being and but it's it's uh but i do think it's weird too that the focus is on like the jeune fille the young girls because the reality is the first part of this is called auteur de madame swan it's like around mrs swan who's no longer a young girl 
And like he spends so much time mm-hmm. talking about the mother and her friends and what's happening in society. That yes, we get like Gilbert, but they don't actually spend a lot of time together. Like it's a lot of like letter writing, which made me think of your comment last time of like the AIMs and like just texting and chatting as you talk to someone trying to figure things out. Like I did feel the angsty teenage drama in this, even though it's from a different time. Like I I did get that. So I was like happy that I could actually connect to some of these emotions. Not all of them, (laughs) not all of them, but just that, that vibe of like, I like her, but I'm never going to see her again because she hurt my feelings. Like just the emotional roller coaster of teenage romance. (laughs) Yeah. The intensity for sure is, is a very like high highs and low lows, but yeah. yeah. What do you think so far from what you've read? What are you getting from this volume two yeah so i'm i'm a couple things i'm struggling a little bit more because there's even less plot like it's sort of i don't know maybe you don't agree with that but i feel like there's even less plot Mm. like it's there isn't a central yeah thing it's he's kind of just talking about madame swan and he's sort of got this thing with uh very old name And he's got these new people, but there's no, like, crux of the story, which is sort of true for the first one. But I don't know. At least there was the relationship that you were kind of tied Mm -hmm. into. I'm even less tied into his, like, romance with uh, Gilbert. Yeah. Gilbert. So there's that. On the other side, lots of food references, which I'm really enjoying. Oh, I didn't even notice these. Tell me more. I don't know the page number, but Madame Swan has... One where it's her favorite salad, and it is a pineapple and truffle Ooh. salad, which is just uh, weird. Pineapple and truffles. That sounds like a rich yeah. person just trying to prove that they can pay for expensive things. Because, like, right, a pineapple would have to be pretty exotic yeah. at this time in Paris. For sure, for Paris, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. I thought that was cool. And then there's a lot of, like artistic mm-hmm. mentions they talk about the musée d'orsay they no talk about... it's not a museum it's the train oh. station it's the train station d'orsay oh, which sorry. is now a museum but at the time wow. it, they're talking about the trains yeah oh uh, thank you for that <laughs> yes you're totally right but they but okay but in my defense they do yes. talk a lot about art and they talk a lot about like architecture and and they talk, they like talk about like the Champs Elysees mm-hmm. and like there's very, it's very, very Parisian. Well, theater, theater um, plays a, a huge of... role, yes. which that's an interesting shift because in the first book, like A Combre, there was a lot of literature references and we talked about that. Then it moved to painting True. references in the second part of the first volume. And now I feel like we're getting, like you're saying, artistic architecture, but like he's obsessed with like yeah. this actress burma in fedr like he cannot stop talking about fedr and it continues throughout the yes. whole volume just the references to theater and acting which is a interesting callback to swan and odette and how they would always go to like mm-hmm. shows or plays and and then leave early and it was this again a mark of class but also entertainment and society so yeah no for sure yeah, those are those are kind of like my big <laughs> things so far. I I agree with what you were saying that uh, it's interesting again where there's the potential relationships, but that's almost not that's not really even right. the focus of Marcel. 
which I think is interesting considering that the if we look at the first book and say like it wasn't Swan's story, it was Marcel's story about Swan. Again, it shows how he's so focused on it, like something that's external to him almost, like someone else, not the relationship he's ha- actually having. Do you know? Yeah, what I, mean? I mean, it does get fleshed out more throughout throughout the text, so there'll be a little bit more. I think the start was slow. I found, just like last time, that his writing gets better towards the end of the volumes. I'm not sure mm. if it's because of editing or like how many times he went back and added things to the middle, or maybe, maybe it's just sharper for me, or like I'm nearing the end, so I am paying more attention. I haven't figured it out yet, <laughs> but I have noticed that like some of the more poignant things come later. So I don't know. Maybe it's the slow burn yeah. of proust i mean maybe he's just again like he's trying to it just i i know it's supposed to be this like super intentional text that we're supposed to learn so much from but it does feel a little stream of consciousness Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i find that by the end he tries to like you know tie it up a little bit or like bring it to the point yeah but the point is also like in the stream of consciousness anyway i'm just i'm also looking and I see more food references that I forgot, including Les Alles. Yes. They talk about Les Alles and um, New York ham and like sort of international uh, meats and butchers. And yeah, I, I just love the food references. Yeah. To me, I was just getting very much the societal aspect of it. I felt like so much of it was trying to distinguish mm. how Odette has solidified her place in the upper societal echelons compared to where she was in the last volume and so like to me that was a huge focus or not even focus a subplot in this part was how she's integrated but yet not fully so we see that marcel's parents are don't like her we see that some of the politicians are like in and out we can't quite feel it she's got like some groupies and i do feel like these food Mm -hmm. references that you're talking about like to me they're just showing how she's willing to spend money and have quality things oh i like that so yeah i think i like that see now that we're talking about it I'm, i'm going into the like maybe that's the point of not telling us how we got to this point like when we leave the first volume and go to the second volume it's just like okay and now we're here and everybody has to get good with the reality that Odette's sticking around and she's now a part of this society that maybe part of that is just that it doesn't really matter why they got back to get like got back together it doesn't really matter why this worked out in the way it did it's just about then convincing everyone else like there was never going to be a a good reason for them to get back together well, like the you know reason I mean? is the daughter like oopsies I mean, obviously, but like, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of just like, okay, but yeah. it is, it, it's here, yeah, it's happening. and they don't seem happy. Like, this is no. a loveless marriage, for sure. But also says a lot about yeah. the construction of marriage and the role it plays in society. This is probably very mm, much influenced by another book I'm currently reading, which is The Sorcier, or In Defense of Witches, by Mona Chalet, which is very good. But it takes like a very feminist approach to the witch hunts. And part of it is talking about marriage and 
she does a really good job of going from like from the 1200s like Gloria Steinem but it has like shifted my perspective a bit like when thinking about this is like what does Odette have if she can no longer provide her services and like float upwards in society that's how she moved upwards was Mm -hmm. by being who she was in the first volume and all of a sudden she finds herself pregnant and so what Mm -hmm. what does she have left to do except to marry and solidify her place that way the fleetingness of youth of how long Mm. can her profession continue i mean technically she can continue as long as she wants but in terms of being the young darling of the emperors and the highest people it it's fleeting yeah just like time because time is a thing in this book (laughs) there you go okay here we go so i think that that is totally what they're trying to like juxtapose with marcel and where he's so slow right is this slow so behind so behind (laughs) like how is this guy in his mid-20s and acting like he's a 10 year old crying to leave his mom at the train station which is so proust it's so proust they (laughs) yeah (laughs) proust was very close with his mom but even in the first volume like they were close close really close i think that you're right though this idea of like you can only have fun for so long and then it's like okay like time to sort of like your looks can't keep you forever and and you're you're having a baby like this is this is the reality right like time to step into this new part of your life which is like was always going to happen anyway i don't know i find that in our current culture everybody tries to push that date back and i wonder if that's created or natural like okay so i know i'm being super existential right now but what i'm trying to say is that like i think everybody gets to a point in their life where they kind of have to move forward from like from sort of that like young ingenue phase i don't know i think a lot of times our culture is very much about like staying Mm, quite young and staying like in that place but like is it natural to move on or is there just there, you don't have to move on. That's society telling me to like settle down and get married and have a baby and buy a house. I think that's a great question that I have no answer to because as a <laughs> millennial of a certain age, I too I feel yeah. like so many yeah. thoughts like this are going through my head and like trying to figure it out is really hard. So yeah. I don't have an answer for you, but I think that's a great question. <laughs> I just, I, I really, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, Odette, obviously, you're right. I think that given, the, like, the time period and whatever probably didn't have a lot of choices. Yeah. But, like, equally, like, don't we all have to sort of make some choices at some point? Or do we not? Is that just, like, a creation of I don't know. mind? Well, I don't know. Well, like, in response to Odette, I do feel like we're at the end of the 1800s early 1900s because he throws in a few references of like the Dreyfus affair which which happened or started I should say in 1894 because it continued well until like World War One but that's the time period for Odette and so I'm thinking if we're looking at this through the lens of capitalism and societal structures Odette does not have Mm -hmm. economic security her economic security is fleeting and so she does have to make that choice of if I want to continue the lifestyle that I have become accustomed to, there's only so many choices. 
which this makes me think yet again of books I referenced yeah. last time, which would be Jane Eyre and Little Women, because it's a very similar discussion in Oof. those books as well. Like, yes. what are these women supposed to do? I really got to stop referencing these two books, but they're important. <laughs> no, it's because they're the best books ever. They're, they're seminal texts and they're absolutely amazing. But you're right. No, it's that. Is there a choice? I think in this point, marriage it's an, is it's her only way to survive. It, it's, yeah. just, it's, a, it's a reality. Yeah, it's a necessity for women to be safe. Yeah, it is her only way to survive and continue to doing even a modicum of the things that she enjoys doing. Or for the future of her child. What is the future of her child yeah. if she chooses not to get married? Yeah, true. Yeah. Okay, so you're about like 40 pages ahead of me. Is there anything that you found that you want to talk about in those 40 pages? Because I obviously will read them soon, so I don't mind a little spoiler. Oh, you're you're not 40 pages. You're like 100 pages <laughs> ahead of me. Sorry. Never mind. <laughs> I thought that you yeah. were 425. You're 525. Sorry. Yeah. You're like a well, really I was just going to say that okay. in terms of my annotations, the colors have changed. So I have a lot more blue and green tabs, which is my tabs for self and time instead of Frenchness or like interesting, oh, uh, which okay. ironically, I thought that was interesting that the colors shifted. So again, is that me shifting as I read the text yeah. or is that me picking up on things? Because I think part of this journey is getting comfortable with Proust and I don't know if in the beginning we were still learning because I did feel that I was ready that I knew what to expect and not that I was searching for certain things but I think I was more comfortable in reading him so maybe I saw a little bit more reflections that I didn't necessarily know or different reflections because I think I was more focused on the French aspects and now that I'm like it's accepted we're in France let's move on Uh (laughs) yes yeah. But yeah, but there were like two different lines that I really liked. And the one of them was on 496, so towards the end of the Auteur de Madame Swan. Mm-hmm. I like wrote down wise or like this page basically, because when I say it's a sentence, you know, it's like a whole half a page because he likes to go on and on but to me he's like really <laughs> capturing heartbreak yes, he and how we imagine ourselves and like identify others differently mm-hmm. through emotions and situations i'll just read a little bit of what i was talking about so it's towards the end and he says mais c'est l'idée de la personne que nous aimons reçoit le reflet d'une intelligence généralement optimiste et non pas de même de ses souvenirs particuliers, de ses propres méchants, de cette lettre hostile. On dirait que la personne elle-même réside dans ces fragments portants si restreints et portés à une puissance qu'elle est bien loin d'avoir dans l'idée habituelle que nous formons de elle tout entière. C'est que la lettre, nous ne l'avons pas, comme l'image de l'être aimé, contemplée dans le corps mélancolique des regrets, Nous l'avons lu, débarré dans l'angoisse affreuse dont nous entretenait une malheur inattendue. And he keeps going for like a whole other page. But I found that passage really... Wow. Profound. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really striking. Yeah. Do you want to sum it up in English or do you want me to? Well, you can do it if you want to, but what I get from it is that like 
like the the idea of a person is a reflection of our our desire or what we hope mm-hmm. most for that person to be and then like we imagine that person we expect for that person to be that way and then when they're when they're not it's it's like it's frustrating and it's like yeah but it it yeah it's just that like it's so disappointing it's so like uh frustrating it's, it's, it's jarring it's, um yeah it's just a great letdown and i really loved yeah. how he yeah. mentioned like the fragments of people mm-hmm. yeah i think he did a good job trying to get across the idea that he's communicating in english but i just felt that it was so true like it rang true to me on how we perceive people and ourselves it always sucks. It always sucks. You yeah. get your feelings hurt from your own creation, right? Like when when you expect too much of someone yes, and you're like, well, this is what I give to this relationship. Why am I not getting that back? And then you always have to like check yourself of saying, okay, but is this what they, you know, like listen to people when they tell you who they are is kind of like a cut. I was just... <laughs> I was just going for the Maya yeah. Angelou as well. I was like, listen to, pe- like, when people tell you who they are, believe yeah. them, right? That there is, you you have to listen to what a person actually wants, not what you want them to want or what you want them to be in your life or the reflection of the person that you want them to be for yourself. And it's hard. It's hard to do like, that. It's so hard. Yeah. So I'll give points for Proust because Marcel is an unlikable twitwit of a character, but that was pretty profound. And I know it's Proust writing, but (laughs) still it's a reflection of Marcel. So, okay, hold on. Let's just pause on that for a second. I don't hate Marcel. Really? I think that he's, yeah, I think that he's annoying, but in a very knowable way. Like, he just seems like someone I know, or like, at least the emotions feel like very relatable. (laughs) I don't know. I, I... I think that everybody in their worst moments is parts of this all the time. I definitely am guilty of this. Of, oh, yeah. Of, like imagining some, but I'm also, I'm also guilty of like wanting other people to be as interested in my life as I am. True. <laughs> and like, he is self-centered. He is like incredibly selfish, but that's also what early twenties are kind of about. This is going to be a very big leap, but it kind of makes me think of Rory Gilmore from the Gilmore Girls because, oh, okay, yes. so here's my thing. I love the Gilmore Girls, grew up watching it, obsessed. I do like a yearly rewatch like every other millennial woman. So good. <laughs> so good. But I have noticed during this rewatch, they bring up Proust three different times and I freaking love it because I actually realized who they're talking about now. It was great. But... To me, Rory is this person who she has a picture of who she is that does not match the reality. Mm-hmm. Like, she just never mm-hmm. thinks that she's privileged. I'm like, girl, you are not poor. Like, you are go to Yale. Mm-hmm. You go to Chilton. Like, you, you're not in debt. You've yeah. taken no loans. And, like, I get this whole thing. But it's just, like, that frustration of, like, the older I get, I actually dislike Rory more and more. And her choices are so frustrating and it, to me, it was very much like yeah. I saw her in the Marcel character of like, he's so privileged and has all of these opportunities. Mm-hmm. And he's just like mm-hmm. letting it go to waste. Like Rory drops out of Yale. Who drops out of Yale? You know, because she got like her feelings <laughs> hurt that someone said she might not be a good journalist. And you're like, keep going. Like, 
I don't know. I had professors yeah. tell me I couldn't write. I'm like, that's what I do for a living, ma'am. I've been published multiple times, but thank you yeah. for your opinion. Like, that's the correct response. <laughs> I don't know. But like, yeah. th- that's to me who Marcel kind of has that same vibe of like, what they think their identity is, is not what's presented to the world or like how others perceive them. And like, that's a conflict for everyone, but... <laughs> Yeah, I totally understand that. And I think that the hilarious thing is, like, when I first watched Gilmore Girls, I was like, oh, my God, Rory is me. This is so, like, I connected so much. And now I I am the same where, like, I don't like her. And I get very frustrated with her choices. But I think for this, it's this – I think it's just similar in in the way that, you know, people say that, like, Catcher in the Rye is, like, the perfect thing to read when you're 14 because, like, that's when you relate to it the most. I have never I read it. That, like, I think this has come up in another episode. I feel like we had this exact conversation before. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I, I just think, like, that there's a time in your life and I think, like, early 20s is just a... It's, it's just an asshole period of your life. Fair. Like, it's just, it's not, you're not your best person. You're trying to find out who you are. And, like, everybody in your life is trying to do the same thing. And everybody's just a little bit, you know, a little bit aggressive with what they want versus everyone else. And not very, like, gentle with each other's hearts or feelings. And Marcel certainly isn't, yeah. like, gentle at all. But I don't know. I'm I'm kind of enjoying the idea of we're going to follow him. I mean, I guess, like, how far can we follow him, though? Because Proust, <laughs> spoiler alert, died very young. So, like, I wonder how much we will grow with the character. But I I don't hate it for, like, the window in, of into that period of life that it is. It's so hard to distinguish. Like, it, it makes me think about the book we read yeah. prior to this, which is, like, How Proust Can Change Your Life. And he warns us not to do what we're doing, which is like mixing Marcel and Proust. But it's so hard because there's so many similarities. And I do find myself underlying passages would be like, that feels like Proust versus Marcel. And it's very difficult to not fall into that pattern. But I don't know. We're not Proustian, so I think we can. (laughs) I also think, though, this falls into an interesting other layer of like, in the 21st century, there's lots of conversations about, you know, who should write what experience and what should you write about that you haven't really experienced yourself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, obviously, I don't think Proust is writing about anything that he can't connect to because it all feels, it's all Paris. It's all, you know, like it's very connected to his actual life and experiences. But I don't know, like, can you write as a 30-year-old about the feelings and sadnesses and, you know, the the terrors of, like, being 40 and married to someone you don't actually love? Like, I mean, why not, right? I mean... Yeah, it's fiction. You could. It's fiction, but I think you can also, like, I think I learn from my dad or from my, like, old, like other people in my life who are older than me without having lived their life, but I understand the emotion, like the the grounding of it feels mm-hmm. real, even if I haven't experienced it. That's I fair. Know. It's a broader conversation that we have time to get into, but yeah. like, so this is making me like it more. Well, I think that another question or a different perspective to put on this is we are reading this somewhat as like, I don't want to say autobiographical, but heavily influenced by Bruce's actual life. 
And what I think is yeah. interesting is that I just had a book club in Paris and they had a a discussion on Bliss Montage by Ling Ma, which is a collection of short stories, highly recommend. But one of the discussion points was why do we assume that any of these were like related to her mm. as a person? It's often thought or people assume that women authors write about their personal lives and like everything is somehow to do with them. And so we had this discussion of yeah. why is that the go-to? Like a man can write a whole book about a girl in World War II that is blind and Anthony Dore is neither blind nor a young girl and is not French. Right. And no one asked a question. And then the moment that a woman yeah. writes surrealist short stories, I was like, this has to be about her life. I wonder why she's like writing about domestic violence and all this, how she experiences it. And you're like, yeah. why is that? So I do think it's interesting that mm. we are doing it, but it is Proust and he is a man. So I just thought that was like an yeah. interesting yeah. discussion point because I hadn't realized that. But it's so true that I think I yeah. have also done that in my reading that I look for clues. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember another book club we had at least a year or two ago, probably two years ago now, where we read Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste yes. Ng, which is a great book. And we assumed that the one of the families was Asian because she's Asian. And we just all were like, yeah, no, for sure. Like, there's a cultural issue of, like, whether an Asian baby should be raised by these white parents. And then everyone was like, wait, did it ever say that that was an Asian family? And we just had assumed. Yeah. And I don't think there was anything in the text that had said that. But we just, like, put upon this these characters just an ethnicity that we were like that makes sense right you're and right like, i completely forgot really... about that because we were surprised by the casting and the reese witherspoon was it a series yes. or a movie i think it was a series with carrie washington exactly. carrie washington obviously is um african-american and she uh was great like uh, a great casting but we just were like oh interesting but we went back in the book and it doesn't have anything that shows yeah. like I think the only description is like dark hair. You know what I mean? Like there's no there's no key to ethnicity. So interesting that definitely sometimes authors, even if you don't know them, like I don't even know that much about Celeste. No. But we just put that upon the book. And I wonder though with Proust, like this is true of so many things where when we <laughs> when we read, you know, Jane Eyre together or Little Women, like can you read a book that, famous now without putting a little bit of the author on top of the book like I don't think you can that's true because we are talking about something that's from a different time because I do think yeah yeah well one of our friends would definitely argue <laughs> I don't remember her name what's the name of the author of Little Woman yeah, I mean, Louisa May Alcott was, is the author of Little Women, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And there's definitely a way to read Little Women that is, um, Louisa May Alcott was one of four women, or four, like four daughters in a very poor family. The book follows uh, four, like four sisters. And like, it's, it's, it's pretty much exactly her life. They are born in the same sort of area of New York, like, or area of the East Coast. And so it's very, like, it feels very autobiographical. But at the same time, like, obviously, 
that doesn't mean that everything that happens in the book is autobiographical right. or actually happened. I mean, but it's it's tough to separate sometimes um, the author from from the work. You're right. And I think with classics, it's even harder because they've taken on a life of their own. Whereas like a fiction read that's published in 2020, you read it, you get obsessed with the author because that's what I do. And then I move on. Yeah. But yeah, when you're studying a classic, it's like you're looking for ways to read it or even like in class. Like I feel like the way we're taught to to read literature can often be like understanding the context. And that often means looking at the author and the author's life. Yeah. And I think that it's a way to try to understand the time period. It's also a way to try to understand the motivations and the like the, like the reasons behind certain themes being involved in a book but it, yeah it is an interesting conundrum especially something like this though with Proust like how can you ha- say have people saying this is the best thing ever written and not want to know who wrote it True. you know of course we like want to know more about the person who is supposedly like the author of one of the best works of all time right like right. okay who did it so, so young. I don't know. I, That's the other thing, too. Who, yeah, who wrote it when he was so young and also from bread. Like, he didn't go out. <laughs> right. It, there's so much, like, almost folklore about it. So I, yeah. I, just, I think that, I think it's normal to supplant our ideas of him onto the character. But I also think that um, he is really good, or at least so far, I felt like he's a really good really great at capturing the emotion regardless of whether the person is like close to himself Mm -hmm. or a personality that you understand the emotion that grounds it is is really real that's true the emotions are definitely his strong suit i think sometimes he gets a bit judgmental which to be fair that could also be a strong suit (laughs) he's make he's making judgments on society he's critiquing it which is fair enough but yeah i guess overall I did enjoy reading this more. I'm still not a Proust fan. Like, I haven't been brought over yet. Mm-hmm. He's not won me over. I liked my new strategy of just, like, banging it out. Like, I just sat down. I was like, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to read it. And I did. I, and I actually liked that. I kind of said that last time. I was like, that was a helpful thing when I stopped trying to do the five pages. Bad advice for me. It doesn't yeah. work. Because I, I just have to get into the world. Like, I can't stop mid-paragraph. Uh, and sometimes that takes fair, a few pages. That's fair enough. <laughs> yes, his sentences are routinely half a page. Yeah. Like, for a single sentence. Yeah. So, excited to continue. I am curious to see how this picks up or changes, because right now we have kind of yeah. two parallel stories, right? Like, we have the story of the swans, and then we have Marcel's story. And I'm curious as to yeah. why that is, and I'm hoping that we have more information later. Yeah. No, I'm excited to see what comes next, for sure. I'm excited for more food references. I'll bring some to the next Proust. Are you going to make something? Are you going to have pineapple and truffle oh, salad maybe I now? Should. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to have that. <laughs> definitely not that. But New York ham sounds good. <laughs> uh, well, fine. Well, this was a good second check-in. And we will see you guys for our third check-in sometime in 2023. A bientôt. À la prochaine.